0: Hello, and welcome to a very special end-of-year episode of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast, and on this episode, we'll be talking about our favorite albums from 2021. This is part two of our end-of-year episode, in which we'll be discussing our top 10 albums of the year. You may wish to listen to the albums yourselves before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list on our website, www.modulat.io. You can also find us on Twitter at modulat underscore io. If you want to support the podcast, then please consider giving us a follow on Twitter or subscribing to us on your podcast provider of choice. My name's Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan.
1: Hello. End of year. How exciting. I know, you know I know. Uh, <laughs> I yeah.
0: barely, barely uh, yeah. sh- sh-
1: shook off the uh, the
0: uh, Christmas hangover, but uh, <laughs> I used to find a little bit of time to listen to some music, um, so yeah. Uh, excited to
1: uh sort of wrap this year up I guess yeah no and I mean I think just before we get all into it I think just speaking in general terms I think not just in terms of the I guess breadth of how much great music I listened to this year but I think the quality of like the top albums is absolutely insane I don't know that's just how I feel at least
0: yeah, uh, I found this, this year very difficult. I've I've sort of undernarled over my top ten. I think any of my top five probably could have been my favourite of the year. Um uh, but even, you know, even in the last last sort of week or two I still managed to find uh, a few interesting things um to listen to, like uh Prolapse completed their their sort of the, the final episode of their ultra cycle with Hibernal Death, which I thought was great. NAS released an album on the twenty fourth of December and it wasn't bad, so that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a new Ryuchi Sakamoto um live recording which I thought was amazing. So, oh, and the um, I had, a, I had a nice conversation with the the guys from Credentials uh, who we spoke about on part one, who put me onto the an album called Cloud of Thought by Salo, which I was really into. So, uh, just enough music to sort of help me escape the the inevitable uh, Michael Buble at my my mum's Christmas table. So, um yeah (laughs) very happy to have at least some new music to uh to to discover this week
1: yeah i mean to be honest i've just been listening to everything that's come out this year trying to sort out everything for top 10 and like top whatever lists uh but uh i think before we we wanted to get started i think you said we had some sort of housekeeping stuff you wanted to mention right
0: yeah, yeah. So, just a, just a bit of housekeeping. Um, so, if you follow us on Twitter, you'll have seen that we were doing a vinyl giveaway, uh, which we did. We started on the 1st of December and I closed it off on the 23rd. Um, and I'm happy to say that the winners of that, the two winners of that were following us on Twitter. Um, not everyone did, but uh, um, so the winners of that were uh, Regis Keelan on Twitter and The Pequod um so if you're listening then congrats um otherwise I'll, I'll get in touch with them shortly to send them some uh, some lovely records um you know it's been a really nice little follow up bump for us so i think we'll probably do some of these in the future um especially with like band camp, band camp albums and stuff like that so um yeah it's just just been really nice to do that uh and i'm posting on instagram again I, i'm not a big fan of social media but uh you know Instagram does have some benefits over Twitter um, in terms of uh, of letting people know what we're up to. So uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram at modular underscore IO, the same as our Twitter, then please do. Um, Great for episode updates and random albums that we're listening to. We're going to keep it a bit more updated. Uh, Other than that, I think we're kind of good to go. uh, Unless there's anything you want to add?
1: Yeah, no, uh, that's, yeah, I don't have anything else, Uh, but I mean, if we're going to get started, I think I think you're starting because I'm. We're sort of going through, uh, in sort of reverse order, and I believe that my number ten will be appearing later on in your list. So I think you should probably start us off.
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Um, so just for the you know for for people uh, listening in, uh, our plan is to we're going to talk about our individual top tens. Um, going down and there's a a handful of albums that sort of repeat between the two so um, uh, in that case we're gonna ignore the lower placing album and we'll talk about them when we reach the uh, the higher placing position for whoever gave that album a higher number Um, and uh, you know these are all albums that we specifically didn't talk about in our categories episode Uh, so a lot of these you know would outright won those categories just because how much we love them so the whole point of part one was to really talk about some other stuff and save our absolute favorites for for now. Um, And I guess leading into into my top 10, uh, my 10th album of the year, my 10th favorite album of the year is going to be Nafs at Peace by the band Jalbi. Um, This is a spiritual jazz record by Pakistan collective uh, Jalbi. who appear to have not really been up to much before this this record there's uh, you know a sort of handful of recordings from like the late 20 late 2010s 2016 onwards maybe a couple of singles here and there um and so this appears to be their their first real foray uh with, with this group and i think this album was absolutely stunning in terms of its uh breadth and depth as a record uh, i think it's just so cohesive from start to finish um at 42 minutes it really has time to explore some of these some of these sounds and i think they lean into their personal cultural musical influences incredibly well like i, I think it does a really nice job of conveying conveying those sort of feelings i don't know how how did you find this one because i know this wasn't something you'd listened to uh i guess up, up to maybe a week ago right
1: yeah so uh there were a couple albums on your your top 10 that i hadn't listened to prior to sort of preparing for this episode and this was one of them uh and yeah i really love this i think this is definitely one of my favorite jazz albums of the year even off just a couple lessons last week uh i think i think this kind of uh this i guess this sort of jazz where you have uh you have a, a lot of a lot of technical play but that's not the focus it's very uh, it's very atmospheric it's very drone oriented you've got some really fantastic uh sort of tonal things going on i think the uh i believe it's uh, the sarangi, the sarangi playing on this record i thought was mm. absolutely incredible especially on the first couple tracks uh it just sounded yeah completely out of this world and yeah just i think this is really uh this really hit the sweet spot for what I really like about uh yeah, sort of slightly droning jazz music that I just really, really enjoyed, yeah I, I thought this was awesome,
0: yeah, I completely agree. um, I thought the instrument instrumentation on this was super cool uh and maybe that's just because I'm a westerner who's not really exposed to this sort of music, <laughs> but but I, I thought it was a great gateway into into sort of a musical culture that i that I just wasn't very familiar with. And so I really got a lot out of this one this year. Um, I don't know maybe if, you know, if anyone listening, because we, we do have a couple of listeners from Pakistan. So um, if anyone listening has some other things similar to this, they'd like to recommend, that would be amazing. Cause it's, it's a, it's not really music I've heard that much of before.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've, I've heard a lot more, I guess. Uh, I guess, yeah, so, some, some Indian influence jazz and sort of drone music. Uh, that I'm more familiar with but yeah this is I think the first like Pakistani jazz album I've heard and yeah I I thought this was awesome so yeah huge shout out and I'm so surprised because obviously I didn't I didn't realize that they seem to be very sort of new as uh as a sort of band I'm I'm sure all of the players have been are very experienced but I yeah I expected this to have been an act that was around for quite a while Given how accomplished and uh, how, how accomplished the playing is, and how cohesive a ro- of a record this is,
0: mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um,
1: cool. Yeah, so I think moving on to what is my sort of number nine. Uh, uh, I wanted to, yeah. So, so my my number my number nine is the album Ming Ming by Otai Oni. Otai Oni is. Uh, a project by uh, the sort of uh, vocalist of Elizabeth Carl which is a fantastic noise rock band that I highly recommend checking out. Uh, But yeah, they put out a sort of solo record this year uh, on uh, WV Sorcerer Productions, which is a label I didn't discover until this year. In fact, I discovered through this release and has been a label that i've i've really enjoyed going through their back catalog uh over the past year and checking out all the all the great stuff they've done uh and yeah this record is uh, it's a really just sort of ethereal mixture of uh electronic music sort of art pop drone uh and Chinese folk music and I really really just feel like I'd heard very little else that sounded like this album uh and it just it had a real sort of power and aura to it that I just couldn't really get over and meant I was coming back to it all year
0: Mm, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. Um. I, I was sort of aware of this album as it came out. I have I had heard of uh, WV Sorcerer before. Um, in fact, they released one of my favorite noise albums of all time, which is uh, Berserk's Formless. Um, and so I saw this come out and I listened to it at the time and I really liked it, but it didn't quite click with me on the level that... Um, maybe I was hoping, but going back to it this week, knowing that we were going to talk about it again, um, it, it really stuck with me a lot more, and I think I found a lot more out of it when I was able to give it the time to. So, you know, I think this is uh, an album that really demands your attention, but it's definitely very rewarding in terms of, you know, what you get out of it. There's there's so much going on musically, um, and I think it does an amazing job of blending all those different different sort of influences together uh, and producing something really uh entrancing Uh, i really really like this Um, yeah it's a bit of a shame i sort of didn't get onto it as hard as i did sooner
1: yeah um i think entrancing is definitely the word like this feels yeah as i I think i've already said it, it, it i think uh especially just in my list in general i think i've mainly maybe not consciously but prioritized a lot of records that i thought sounded very unique and uh just really surprised me in in the approaches they were taking and this is definitely in that category it's uh yeah it takes everything i like about uh sort of more abstract ambient pop music uh and adds drone post-industrial so many other things into the mix in a way that it feels really cohesive and feels very much its own thing. And I, yeah, I, I think, and also I think it's important I, I, in mentioning about the pop because there are sort of very, I guess, catchy parts to it or parts that sort of melodic sections that stick in my, my brain mm. while listening to this, but it, it sort of very much still washes over you in a way that is, I guess uh feels a lot more uh intimidating than I guess uh what you consider normally any kind of pot record so I think there's a there's a lot of really great compositional and sonic things going on here and yeah I yeah I I think this is one that I got the most out of when I was just like playing it really loudly and just letting it just completely envelop me <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. Um, So moving on from there, uh, I'm going to jump into my number nine pick of the year, which is, uh, surprisingly, uh, the album Time About by Uh, Yukika. This is an album I really wasn't expecting to love as much as I did. Uh, I generally have a bit of an aversion to K-pop in general. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe that's unfair of me uh, because this album sort of blew me away with... Uh, the effect it had on me in such a short runtime. It only runs for just under 19 minutes, but in that time and six, six tracks. Um, I think it delivers some of the most, uh, effective pop hooks that I've ever heard in any pop album. I think the, the sort of quality to time ratio, the, the quality density, as it were, um, is just huge on this thing. It sort of joins the ranks of, uh, of maybe one other K-pop album which I would sort of consider as good as this one <laughs> or on the same level, which is obviously Maxim Match by uh Lunar Odd Eye Circle. Uh you know, that that's an all-time classic K-pop album. This is too. Uh, <laughs> I don't really have much more to say than that. It's just it's genius. How good this thing.
1: Yeah. Um I absolutely love this thing as well. So I mean I heard uh Yukika's sort of previous record, Soul Lady, when it when it came out last year. And mm. I love that. I think this is even better i think yeah specifically tracks like insomnia and pong are some of my favorite pop tracks of the year and uh yeah when this came out this really sent me down a rabbit hole of just like listening to k-pop for like a good few weeks that was basically all i was listening to uh (laughs) like this we've already mentioned Circle, fx gwsn a uh, bunch of other stuff but those were the main ones i was i was really into but yeah i i this was a i i'd heard Yukika's stuff before and i liked it but i think this was a step up and it was good enough to really sort of get me into that whole that whole sort of scene which is very uh yeah i, I mean i i guess there's a The sort of automatic response when thinking about k-pop is sort of about stan culture or maybe about (laughs) like industry stuff so it's two sides of you sort of have two different i guess immediate responses to that neither of which are particularly great uh but there is still some fantastic music coming out of it and yeah i think this is definitely a great example of that this was a really uh yeah really fantastic and as, as you sort of said, very sort of economical record. There's no fat on here, basically. It's just straight to the point, 20 minutes of really fun bangers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree.
1: Yeah. Um, if there's not anything else you wanted to mention about that, uh, sort of uh, going on to my number eight. This is a record we talked about very recently on, on the podcast, uh, which is... Plebeian Grandstand's album Rien Safit. Uh This is... I mentioned when I was thinking about Ming a second ago that I maybe prioritized albums that sounded very different and really mm-hmm. surprised me. And this, this is absolutely that thrown through. This is a really phenomenal uh, avant-garde black metal release. The... the the atmosphere and cacophony that this thing produces is absolutely second to none. I think this was completely batshit off the wall. Uh, the I, the time signature stuff on this record, like the, rhythmically, it was completely bizarre and disjointed. The, the wrists were consistently extremely dissonant, but not in, I guess not in... Uh, the most obvious way you would construct those things it was uh the i guess the composition of how uh things were being played and the intervals that were being played at and sort of how the songs were written were was almost completely designed around being as just as dissonant and as obtuse as possible uh, and I really, really appreciated that. I think this thing sounded like absolute hell, and I have not been able to get enough of it. Um yeah, I, I uh, yeah
0: <laughs> um, yeah, i I sort of had a similar similar feeling with this one. Um, it was it was actually it almost felt difficult talking about some of the some of the high energy albums from our part one episode, knowing that this was looming, yes. looming in yes. the distance. <laughs> um, cause you know, as much as I love, uh, you know, Frontera and, um, and Pupil Slicer and all the, all the amazing bands we talked about on that episode, uh, this, this thing is just such an absolute monster. Um, I think it, for, for, for me, it sort of outdoes them, uh, in terms of pure, pure chaos and pure energy, uh, technically it's just insane like how how much is going on here how difficult it must have been to to pull this off um and you know sonically it is so experimental and so interesting all the time. That it never ever ever feels redundant um yeah overall just just a really uh, really great achievement by by these guys i really cannot wait to see what they do next this thing is still flying under so many people's radars uh, as well so um you know compared to compared to a lot of those albums we talked about in on part one this is probably the least well known so uh i'm i've been putting all the metalheads i know onto this but uh uh you know t- to no avail i guess we need more yeah reach. <laughs> i don't know i
1: i mean i i do appreciate that this is uh i guess one of the m- uh, one of the most difficult records on here i think would it would not be uh it would not be uh yeah an exaggeration to say but uh if that's something that you're into and if you're into crazy metal uh i can't think of a better record to check out than this one i i think yeah this is uh yeah i i feel pretty comfortable in calling this this my metal album of the year uh yeah i absolutely love this one and as you said i'm really really excited to see what they do next
0: yeah i completely agree this this again for me is like a record that would probably be you know in my top 15 but uh for the sake of you know today i'm happy to <laughs> happy to just uh leave it there and, and talk about it now um because yeah yeah really really amazing record uh so my number eight album of the year is Richard Dawson and Circles Henke, so another one that we talked about uh, very recently. Um, I just, you know, I think when this came out, we were sort of arguing and ahhing over when we were when we wanted to do these end of the year episodes because we were going to probably have to skip a fortnight of album releases. And um, and knowing this one, <laughs> knowing this album was was on the horizon, I I insisted that we had to wait another two weeks before we did the end of year stuff because. Um, I was so I, I'm just so confident in Richard Dawson's ability to uh, to put together to a banger uh, and the inclusion of circle um, circles uh, progressive krauty guitars uh, all over this thing I think just adds so much to it that that we haven't really seen from a Richard Dawson project before um so you know neither neither side of this spectrum feels Weaker than the other to me. I think they complement each other uh, amazingly well to the point where I think at the time when we when we probably sort of reviewed this, um, you know i I said that I'd gone back to some Richard Dawson albums and found them like almost alien because I was so <laughs> used to this particular style that hearing, uh richard dawson sing in the perspective of a peasant over a lute uh just i don't know like freaked me out um yeah i don't know this just sounded so natural to me i don't know how how did you find that
1: yeah uh i definitely agree with you on on the on the sort of notion of it being a really natural combination and i think uh if i went back and sort of did the Episode we talked about this again. I think I would maybe be a bit more positive on this one, because I think I, I I did really like it at the time, but I think I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now, having given it a few more weeks. Because I think when uh in sort of preparation for that episode when I was listening to this record, I was trying to sort of approach it like a Richard Dawson album. Which it I mean it is, and you his um uh, the sort of core tenets of his songwriting are all over everything on here. But mm. I think... I uh, When you listen to a Richard Dawson record, you're... At least personally, I find I'm sort of really quite heavily concentrating on exactly what he's saying and uh, almost constant negative space and everything. There's no negative space mm. on this record. And I think you really have to zone out of that mindset a little bit and kind of just go with it and i think when you do that the parts that i felt on this record initially that i felt the instrumental sections in particular i felt were a bit redundant started to make a lot more sense to me and i think the more i've listened to this one the more i've liked it and yeah i i basically had um i don't don't really think richard dawson can write a bad record to be honest i think he's just such (laughs) a good songwriter that yeah anything he does the i think will at least be pretty great and this is no exception uh yeah i i i really enjoyed this one and i think it's one that's definitely grown on me a lot since i first heard it
0: yeah i think that's really interesting because like I, i was thinking about this as well this this idea of the concept of the record as well and i think He's basically incapable of putting together a boring concept for an album. Um, yeah. Peasant and 2020 and the Magic Bridge. And all, all these all these albums that came before this one, I think, have really, really cool ideas behind them as the backbone that he then spins off of. And uh, this is the same for me. I think, um, you know, the structure is so strong that he can basically just do whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He can be singing about anything. as long as it's vaguely related, not well, probably the uh, the <laughs> Hooks, just because he's written it
1: yeah and i th- I think i think that's an interesting point you make because i think uh in listening to this album it almost feels like a moment of him realizing that he can kind of just do anything and it will s- still it'll still work and it'll still make sense and the songs will still be interesting and entertaining because he's really just gone for it and made something i guess way out there of what he would normally put out and Work with a band in a completely different genre and yeah it's come together fantastically so yeah i yeah richard Dawson's great and i yeah I, again i think with all these artists i'm looking forward to whatever they do next but i'll be interested to see if we get another collaboration between between these two artists if richard dawson is going to branch branch out more into making these sort of collaborative records into different genres maybe just mm-hmm completely going for it trying to do whatever he can seeing how it works uh i'd be really interested to hear that yeah for sure yeah absolutely um yeah so moving on to my number seven uh this is a record that i have been listening to over and over since it came out and it is uh Slugger beds we have the window open at night uh we mentioned on our shout outs episode the peter talisman record uh, lord of the harvest Uh, I think both of those, it was difficult for me to pick which one I wanted to include in here. This is almost kind of a joint spot because they were both really, really fantastic records that I've listened to so much this year. But I think uh, We Have the Window at Night especially had a really just interesting and esoteric atmosphere to it that just appealed to me like almost nothing else this year has, I think the this record it was sort of slightly creepy slightly eerie but in a really quirky and fun way uh i just really appreciated yeah how how fun this record is whilst also coming through with a really bizarre lo-fi psychedelic hip-hop ambient aesthetic That again it it felt very much like its own thing i think Sluggerbed uh has really been coming into his own recently and making some some just extremely unique and i guess bizarre music and i think this is mm-hmm. probably my favorite thing he's done uh yeah i i really really love this and was i think other than one i'm gonna mention in a couple spots time my most listened to record of the year
0: <laughs> yeah um this was definitely one of my favorite new discoveries of the year um i guess uh you know we, we sort of listened to this when the podcast was starting out and um we were getting a bit more familiar with each other's music tastes and you know, as we were sort of selecting the albums and that. i felt like this is the first time i sort of i really understood evan core as a concept <laughs> um, because uh like this 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 is amazing and um i really love this album and it's it's just like Weird and interesting and experimental and fun. Um, and, uh, and also, I don't know, like, not enough people have listened to it, in my opinion. Uh, similar to the, the grants Grandstand one, I think this has flown under a lot of people's radars and probably should be rated higher in a lot of people's lists because, um, about is sort of, absolutely crushed this year especially with this and the uh the peter talisman record um which we were both also massive fans of so yeah definitely my favorite uh or one of my favorite discoveries of the year um this thing is this thing is great really 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 cool uh that a huge amount to add yeah no i mean that, neither do i just, i just yeah, thought that,
1: yeah this is this is, is an awesome really bizarre ambient record and as you mentioned uh i think it's yeah maybe not got the shine it's deserved. I haven't seen it on nearly enough end of year lists. Please check it out.
0: Mm, um okay, so uh we're gonna jump into maybe one of the weirder picks uh on these top ten lists for for my next album, which is I guess this is my t- seventh favorite album of year um so my my pick for number seven is going to be the album come look uh, sorry it's the album Disclosure by Come look with me. Um, so this is a, I'd probably best described as like a sound collage. Um, uh, and it's a project of um, Devin Smith, aka uh, the Coin Locker Kid, aka Say Key, um, who is sort of notable for producing some of the more um, more experimental uh, hip hop of the last 10 years. Um, some people may have See his work on uh, *Trauma Novel* and *The Salmon of Doubt*, which were both by Coin Locker Kit. Um, but the reason I picked *Disclosure* to go on my uh, end of year list is that it sort of wraps up a—it's um, not a trilogy of albums, but, but for me, the most there's this there's sort of two very significant albums um, to me, uh, and this this is sort of sort of the ending of that trilogy so um there's a, a series of radio drama experimental albums um by say lucky uh then the two notable ones for me are super flat and metamorph metamorph been one of my favorite albums of all time they sort of i don't know tell tar- this like bizarre alternate universe um existential dread infused uh story, I guess, over multiple multiple albums, multiple projects, multiple uh people and points of view. And this this sort of wraps some of them up. I don't know. It, this is a very difficult album to describe why I love it so much. Um but I think what what I love about this album in particular is that it's and there's just a particular vibe to it, um especially sort of mixed in with uh these like weird Shenmue uh samples from the Dreamcast. Um as like the Coin Locker Kid universe disintegrates or falls apart, I guess. Um it's like a it's a very apocalyptic album. It's very uh distressing at times. Uh and I think the the one the, the, the penultimate track Beneath the Mask is one of the most interesting tracks that, that this guy has ever done. Um so it's a bit of a weird one uh i would say don't listen to this first I, w- I would go maybe check out superflat and metamorph if you have no idea what you're doing with this artist but to me this is this is an album that i, I don't i genuinely don't think i've seen anyone talk about this project um as, a, as an end of year list and i think it's gone so far under the radar that uh it just needs to be this needs to be listened to by more people i don't know did i assume you got a chance to listen to this one but were you particularly familiar with the the previous work, so
1: Yeah, no, so this, uh, you just mentioned, this is probably not the one to jump in with. This was the first thing I listened to by Mm. this artist. Uh, And wow, this was so bizarre and made me think, okay, I really need to listen to uh, all of sort of the adjacent records to this because I think the, the ideas and the approach to making, I guess, music on this thing. Uh, were absolutely <laughs> incredible because it's definitely
0: it, the, the furthest from music that we're going to recommend. I'd say. Yeah,
1: it, it's part music, part sound collage, radio drama. Uh, it felt like it felt like you know uh, a remix of sort of an end of world anime put through a bunch of weird filters. Uh it was the there were some aspects of storytelling that ran through it that were very interesting and very, I guess, uh I, I don't want to say like Lynchian, but it was kind of Lynchian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's very overused, but I think that it definitely applies here in how uh surreal this album is and how it places a lot of symbolism in very specific everyday weird things uh i think that that label definitely applies but uh, yeah it's interesting you mentioned about shemui samples because there were a bunch of stuff on this thing i was like i recognize this where is this from uh and of course i recognize it because uh has been sampled to absolute death by death dynamic shroud so Uh, even though that's not actually something i'm familiar with firsthand i was familiar with it through samples of other things so uh yeah it that had a a really strange effect on me as well in sort of trying to decipher that uh as to why i was recognizing a bunch of stuff on this album uh but i didn't know where uh and i think that that's that's a really great i guess um microcosm about of how this album makes you feel because it's it's really really out there and yeah, I, I, the other sort of point of reference I had when I was listening to this, this is such a, a sort of bizarre um, comparison to make. But um, there's this... Uh, there's a podcast I listen to called mm-hmm. uh, Rude Tales of Magic, which is a D&D podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a specific episode of that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but there's one where it's in you know DD, and there's a there's an episode where there is like a like a ton of npc kenkus who are obviously like talking only through things that they've heard uh so it's mm-hmm. like there are a lot of conversations that happen only through weird samples within right, this right, right. narrative podcast and also the dialogue in this really reminded me of that uh in a very strange way um yeah that that was a bit of a, a bit of a tangent or sort of weird reference but that was no, that a, was something that's it, a really interesting
0: comparison yeah yeah, yeah. that was something and, it really and, and,
1: reminded me of
0: right yeah 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 because i i think this this is like this this would be a really interesting setting for like a fantasy world like that so um i can sort of see the ties to like rpg rpg uh storytelling um yeah i don't know uh, so so my understanding is that this is going to be the last uh coinlocker kid related project so this is probably i think this is intended to be the the finale as like the Coin Locker kid universe is destroyed by a storm or something um if i find I'll, I'll have a look around and see if i can find a uh yeah people make like charts on how to get into artists that this would probably be a useful one to uh, yeah. have a chart for to to find the right route through but um uh, you know, if you want to get stuck into this album, I highly recommend Say Lucky's um, Metamorph, which I will, I'll link alongside this one, because uh, that album is absolutely uh, stunning and just as weird and experimental as this one. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And, if that's, and I guess that's a bit if, of a weird one to pick. Yeah,
1: if this is a finale to this sort of universe, then I think it's a fantastic finale because it really feels final and, as you mentioned, so apocalyptic. Uh yeah, I I don't know how much like I like sort of I, it's it's hard to describe how I felt about this, but I how much I liked it almost felt like it was irrelevant because it was so cool and so interesting. I just really I love the ideas on display, and I think it's mm. something that I'm gonna have to get into more of the artists in general. Uh, to try and completely deconstruct what is going on here because it's (laughs) kind of impenetrable at times uh yeah in terms of it's
0: it's a hard one to put a number two
1: yeah yeah exactly it's a very difficult album to like yeah to like rate i was like how how would i feel about this album out of 10 i'm not sure i could say but uh in terms of how much i enjoyed it i thought it was really really cool uh yeah really enjoyed this one and uh yeah, I really appreciated you for putting something like this in here because I think uh this is the kind of record that I think should be uh people should be like putting up as like, hey, this is something really worth checking out. Uh in terms of when you're constructing an end of year list, I think it's really important to sort of prioritize records that I think uh that you think that people have to have heard regardless of how almost they compare to other records i don't know Mm. that um almost treating as as like most essential records of the year and this feels really essential in terms of uh i guess of i guess the process that was obviously used to make this and uh yeah just the ideas on this thing i think it it sounds like nothing else i've ever heard Mm. really really cool uh so to move on to my number six pick Uh, This is one where I've, I guess, kind of like my previous one, I've sort of folded multiple albums into one ranking. But uh, in particular here, uh, I'm talking about Arca's Kick series. uh, As uh, Like a few records we've talked about so far, this one was a real late year one, one that we talked about on the podcast very recently. And yeah, Arca released three records within sorry not three records four records within the space of like a few days uh in at the end of november and i think it's her best work yet i think they're consistently pretty fantastic all the way through uh especially three and five being the particular standouts but i also think four four is amazing as well two is also really good but i think it's more of an appetizer for the the three that come after it uh yeah i think she's really come into her own in sort of honing that uh i want to say like post reggaeton sound that was Mm. on parts of kick one like uh which i think was is still one of my favorite arca tracks absolutely uh phenomenal song but i think she's able to channel what she did on that track consistently all the way through uh kick three throughout most of kick two and then does some really interesting stuff on four and five with five being i guess mostly sort of piano led uh modern classical stuff which i didn't expect her to do and i didn't expect her to do so well uh yeah this is a really astonishing achievement from an artist who has put out some mind-bending and extremely creative material uh throughout her entire career but i think this is for me uh, a career high and something really to be celebrated yeah
0: this feels like a pretty tough one to top um releasing you know, four albums in four days is uh, obviously a pretty pretty uh, insane <laughs> feat on its own, right? But for, for the quality to be this high across the board is just crazy. Um, yeah, I totally agree that three and five are the stand-ups. Um, but yeah, and, and and I also agree that four and two were, were excellent and sort of all of them were, were really worth, worth listening to. Um, I think this is a really interesting sort of concept in that... Um, You know when our artists release albums like this, I tend to feel like they need to be listened to as a series. Um, But with these albums, I think that they stand alone really, really well uh, by by themselves. Um, So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say the only way to listen to this is to go one through to five all in one go. Um, It's all right, you know. I I would maybe listen to them in the order, but you know, you don't, you definitely don't need to listen to them back to back. They all, they all stand alone as really great projects in their own right. Um, But yeah having listened to them all i think three is the one that i have gone back to which i do feel bad about because i you know two two and four have definitely been a bit neglected there um because the quality of three is just so 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 high um yeah this thing is crazy um really interesting album really um really interesting just experimentation in terms of like idm and glitch hop and club music in general uh I, uh, yeah, there's there's so so much to unpack here. It's a really um dense album, and there there's a huge amount going on. So, uh, yeah, i absolutely love this project.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really great point you mentioned about not having to sort of listen to these all sort of in a row. Because I've done, I guess, both of listening to all of them in a row and listening to them, I guess, one at a time. And I think I almost maybe got more out of it listening to them individually, but sort of throughout the course of a day, maybe so listening to one then giving it a couple hours and listening to two three uh instead of just going through them just all the way uh in one go but i think it definitely stands each of the records stand on their own uh and i think that's a testament to a great i guess long overarching project where you can go through all of them and have it work and have it stay interesting but also each of the individual projects stands on their own as being something great so yeah uh, really fantastic achievement uh, yeah i this was i guess a series of records that made me again i th- i think uh, another thing i i guess maybe i have prioritized in sort of ranking these records is how much of an effect uh, they had on me in terms of wanting to go back and listening to basically whatever the other, whatever the artist done because i think I, I'm familiar with a lot of Arcus stuff, but I hadn't, I hadn't really given too much of it a properly sort of deep listen. And I think after these came out, I got way into uh, yeah, going back into records like Zen and uh, and 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 uh, mm. and uh, and Mutant. The, those were all albums that I went back to sort of after after these came out, and really gave more of a i guess more focused in and i got more out of than i'd ever done before and i think it's really uh yeah it's really helped me understand uh, just how great ark's work has been to date uh yeah no uh absolutely fantastic records
0: yeah yeah nice um so moving on to number six number six picks um my sixth favorite album of the year is shade by grouper uh, Grouper is the alias of, uh, Elizabeth Harris, um, who is, uh, sort of a specialist in folk and ambient pop and drone and ambient music in general. Um, and has released really some of, uh, some of my favorite ambient and folk adjacent projects, uh, of the last decade and a half, uh, particularly in 2008 with Dragging Your Dead, Dead Deer Up a Hill. 2011's Alien Observer and 2014's Ruins. Um, and then since Ruins in 2014, there wasn't a huge amount of stuff being released. Um, there was the, uh, the Adam Grid of Points in 2018, which was pretty good. Uh, the EP Paradise Valley, which was uh, insanely good in uh, 2016. Um, and a couple of projects as Nivhek, um, which I was really into, but a lot quieter after 2014. Um, coming up with this just stunningly beautiful contemporary folk project, uh, from this year. Um I mean, if there was one album yeah, we we, we talked about sort of sad albums and comforting albums. Um last episode on uh, on part one but to me this is like the pinnacle of that of that vibe for me <laughs> this this is this is where i want to go um to feel those feelings to, to emote those emotions um uh yeah the, the, it, this is just such a such an incredibly um thoughtful and beautiful album uh i think the sort of use of these really delicate vocals amongst these um uh, very, like, I don't know what, what the right word is, these, like, um, very intimately mixed guitars and and sort of uh, soundscapes that are going on, I think is, is just incredible, and I think uh, Gripper does it better than anyone else this year um, in, in regards to that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think this is one I probably should have given a bit more time to, but, I mean, this one, this was lovely. I I really like this, this record. Uh, I think yeah everything you mentioned i think uh one thing i always mention about uh i guess singer songwriter type records that are very minimal instrumentally is how the artists use negative space within their songwriting and this is an absolute like poster child for that i think the way in which space is used on this record is so incredible it uh i mean you you mentioned about this being you know somewhere you want to go and to feel those kind of feelings i think the way it it uses that kind of songwriting gives you almost that i guess gives you that room to really almost insert yourself into it and really just yeah just be kind of absorbed by it i think uh i think this is uh this is a really really yeah just a really really great record and uh one that i think yeah i i think on first listen i i didn't get too much out of but i think the more i went back to it i think i i enjoyed it more I th- in sort of spending more time with these songs you really get to appreciate how they're constructed because i think they feel especially the first time you hear them they feel very loose and they feel very sparse in a way that can maybe feel like there's not too much going on but i think that that i think therein lies also a lot more yeah there's there's a lot more interesting going on on this record than immediately appears in terms of the songwriting and the vocal delivery and you mentioned the mixing and the lyrics uh yeah i th- i thought this was a really really nice and really yeah just like comfy record i thought this was, this was really cool
0: mm. i also say that i'm very um very thankful for this album for including the the closing track kelso which i think is one of my easily in my top five favorite group of songs um i think i think that that song is absolutely amazing uh to, to finish the album off
1: yeah absolutely um so to move on to what is my number five album of the year, and i think this is probably the album i've listened to the most uh, over every release uh, from 20 2021 and this is uh the collaboration between claire rousset and more ease and it's called uh, an afternoon wine so this is a record that sort of takes electroacoustic and uh, i guess film recording stuff and sort of jams it into a sort of deconstructed post-pop aesthetic in a way that i just absolutely adored i could not get enough of this album i think i think it's pretty brief length helped it's only 30 minutes long five tracks um so it's very digestible but i think the the way this record used uh, i guess th- this record felt very spatial in a sense that it painted i mean like a lot of i guess uh, field recording stuff and sound quality stuff you, you really get a sense of of place when you're when you're listening to this thing. It really inserts you into uh, a sort of moment that it's trying to capture. And I think uh, sort of juxtaposing that with slightly more pop tendencies, especially on the track uh, "Smaller Pools," which I think maybe is my favorite song of the year, uh, works so incredibly well. I think uh, the mixture of um uh electronic and acoustic instrumentation i thought was fantastic the use of acoustic guitar and yeah i've been listening to so much clary say this year i think um uh her again really comfy and emotional approach to ambient music is something that i've really appreciated uh, especially this year and i think this is probably my favorite release of hers uh, to date uh yeah i i really really love this thing um mm. yeah i don't know how you felt about it but yeah this is this is a record that i was spinning constantly <laughs>
0: um yeah this is an album that i i mean i i wasn't familiar with uh, either of these artists going into this year and so i think for that reason this album needed a little bit longer to properly click with me um Because uh, it's a very, I don't know, it feels like quite an intimate album similarly to to, 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 to Shade. Um, And so as I listened to it more and it it grew on me and then I became more familiar with um, Clarice's other project from this year. And and likewise, uh, more work on, say, The Heart Pumps Kool-Aid, which came out a little bit after this one um yeah so i was able to build up a picture of of these artists and what they were doing on this album and um it definitely grew on me a lot more as i as i as i went on listening to it so um yeah i I think this is a really really wonderful uh ambient electroacoustic uh project that maybe i didn't have the full context needed to to appreciate you know to enjoy the same way that that you did but i i thought was absolutely fantastic in its own right um and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I just I thought it was really, really uh, well put together and um, sort of you know, from a technical perspective, I thought it was really, really lush and interesting and sort of I don't know, like lush and sparse in equal measure. Um, yeah, I just, I, I've, it's it's one of those albums that's difficult to speak about again, yeah, you know, I've had this issue with Shade where we we sort of
1: yeah, kicked, it out, sure. kicked
0: it out of the episode because, because it's, <laughs> it's just not that much you can say, um you know, for an album that we hadn't listened to that much at the time. And so, uh, um, yeah, I, I urge people not to overlook this one because given the time to, to sink in, I think it's a really rewarding lesson.
1: Yeah, I think I think everything about this record is just really nice and really intimate and just, yeah, it it really resonated with me. So, yeah, huge shout out to Claire Rousset and Maurice. I think they've put out uh, a several really cool projects this year but i think this was my favorite from from both of them for sure
0: mm. so moving on to my fifth favorite album of the year uh we're going to be talking about the bright green field by squid um i think uh, there was a point this year where i thought this this was just going to be the year of post-punk um <laughs> uh because the first half of the year has so many uh incredible releases that i really really was into as times go on gone on a few of them have maybe sort of lost their lost their sparkles i like, uh as my music taste has changed a little bit but yeah, know we still had amazing releases from um black country new road shame uh, i thought the idols record was actually really good it's grown on me a lot um black marble uh dry cleaning parky i i, I quite liked the parky course record even death from above released an album that wasn't that bad um <laughs> So, so I, I think there was some really interesting post-punk commission, but the, the epitome of that for me is, has to be Bright Greenfield, um, by Squid. Uh, Squid are a five-piece band. Six-piece? Five-piece. I think They're it's a five-piece five, yeah. band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to count, I had to do some counting very quickly. Um, <laughs> from, uh, sort of operating out of, um,
1: I think they're from uh, Brighton? Brighton?
0: Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, and this is their, their first full-length release. They had um sort of blown up the uh the, the online punk-based music scenes with um their 2019 EP uh, Town Center, which uh, features some some of my favourite singles of theirs still. I think Matchbet and The Cleaner are still incredible songs off of that. Um, and then a handful of like Kind of forgettable releases. Um, moving into 2019, there, there there are a couple of couple of good ones in there still. Like Houseplants, I think, was is one of their best songs, and Sludge, I thought, was pretty good. Um, and they, they they ended up signing uh, onto Warp Records, um, with a you know sort of notably legendary uh, electronic music label. Um, as they signed a handful of artists outside of the immediate electronic music genre. Um, and so the anticipation for this full length release on warp was actually really high um and i think they absolutely smashed the bar that had been set for them uh, with an album that for me just got better every time i listened to it uh, and sort of has cemented them as the the absolute peak of um of uh of modern post punk and art punk uh, in particular um This is a, uh, you know, 55 minute album, 11 tracks, and, uh, there is barely a second wasted, uh, on here in my opinion. Um, you know, with the, the, the intro resolution square leading into GSK, um, which, uh, you know, has some of my favorite vocals on the whole thing leading into narrator with, with the guest vocals from Martha Sky Murphy, um, which is just an incredible song with an amazing build up and breakdown, uh. And you sort of carry on through the album with track after track, of absolutely uh, incredible stuff. Um, it just captivates me at every, every moment listening to this. I, I never I never want to skip a song. I never want to think about anything else. I just want to focus on this album because, um, yeah, I absolutely love every minute of this thing.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think uh, sort of going back and thinking over everything, I think I definitely kind of have to agree with you in the sense that this was probably the best of the bunch in terms of the the litany of critically acclaimed post-punk releases that came out this year uh yeah and i think this was a record that i maybe every time i listened to it i remembered how much i enjoyed it i think it was one that maybe didn't come to mind to me as one of my favorite albums of the year but every time i listen to it i'm like oh this is incredible uh i think the uh, there's a really great balance of technicality and also uh, sort of writing fun direct songs that I really appreciate. Uh, the I think the vocals ride the line between like sort of funny and irritating, but it doesn't quite go on to that in a mm. way that it's not grating. it's like, oh, it's kind of silly but it's not grating and I yeah, I really appreciated that. I think uh, everything on here was pulled off pretty fantastically. Uh, this record sounds amazing just in terms of the production and instrumentation and everything. And yeah, it features some of my absolute favorite songs of the year, particularly, uh, yeah, like Narrator and uh, 2010, I think are both absolutely incredible songs. Uh, yeah, and I think... Uh, another thing that really sort of reinforced me how how great this record was was uh, i saw them live a few months ago at uh mm. the uh oh god what was it? wide awake wide awake uh festival oh yeah nice in uh, brockwell park in brixton uh and i think they were i th- i think it was probably my my favorite performance of the of the festival i i mm they were absolutely fantastic uh yeah huge huge shout out to this record i think uh again it's one that has gotten better every time i've listened to it and every time i've understood it a bit more and sort of had a yeah the more it sort of drilled itself into my brain the more i've been able to appreciate it and i think yeah they they did yeah i think they did fantastically on this one <laughs> i think uh it's difficult for me to think about how this record could be better, if that makes sense. Yeah. In terms yeah, of, yeah. I, I'm not sure there's like much headroom on sort of this record in particular of how this could have turned out in a way that I would have enjoyed it more. So, yeah, I thought this was great.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I also want to give a bonus shout out to uh, the other. Weird guitar music band that I was really, really into this year, which was uh, Black Midi, um who are incredibly highly ranked in my end of year list, but I just haven't had a chance to to speak about yet. Yeah, they're one of the, the bands I've missed out. um uh, I was really into Cavalcade this year, uh, and I, I yeah, I just, I'm really excited to see what they they get up to next year. Just it felt wrong to not mention them at all over like. Yeah, four hours, four hours of end uh, end of year podcast recordings, and like not mention them once. Um, Yeah, no. Yeah, Cavalcade was like incredible this year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think, um, yeah, I think that's a definitely a great thing to point out because I think sort of prior to this record, I they were the band I would have said would definitely, uh, sort of my favorite of that sort of crop of bands, and I think now it's probably between those two. Uh I think I slightly preferred this record to Cavalcade, but I thought they were both pretty excellent.
0: Yeah, uh, see for me bright green field was like by far the best thing they've done. Whereas to me I think Schlagenheim still tops Cavalcade yeah, in terms of yeah. like the one I would go back to more. So yeah. that was uh that was my reasoning.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. So uh moving on to the number four, mm. uh we're now getting on to the sort of I guess uh like uh serious album of the year contenders (laughs) well i think so i think personally for me i think the the top four on my list were all pretty much perfect records i think these could have gone in any order uh Mm. i i think i think uh, although i mentioned sort of you know with records like an afternoon wine and bright green field i think there wasn't much that they could have done to sort of improve on what they did but in terms of concept execution everything about the rec these records i think the personally i think the the top four uh from from my perspective are like a real class above i think all i put all of these records in albums that i would maybe expect only to come around once every couple years and the fact that we got f- four records of this quality this year is astounding to me uh mm. and yeah we're also getting into the point where we have some overlap in our picks <laughs> so um we have i guess uh a couple uh, a couple in a row now where, where uh, this one and the next one where we we've both got the same album in the same position so i guess i'll combined number four album of the year is Lowe's hey what and uh i mean low uh legendary slowcore band who uh back a few years ago released double negative and sort of pivoted into glitchy ambient pop music uh with the help of producer bj burton who really helped transform their sound he also worked on the the record before that ones the sixes but i think double negative was the point where they really sort of came into their own uh as a sort of partnership and uh, i absolutely adored double negative so i was really looking forward to this album and now that I've had the time to mull it over, I think I said on the record, uh, the episode when we were talking about these ones, I think I said I still preferred Double Negative. I think that's probably changed. I think this is probably now my favorite of the two. Uh, I think they're both absolutely incredible albums, but there's something about the really consistent uh, sonic aesthetic and just sound of this album that just feels so present and visceral in a way that very few albums do to me i think this was a really monumental release
0: yeah i felt terrible about putting this at four I'm going to be yeah, honest. Same. Um, this 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 <laughs> you know i tomorrow I might, I might wake up and this might be number one um i, I don't know yeah i i had to I had to pick something so um you know, I think it's interesting that you were, you mentioned that you sort of pivoted back to having this as your favorite, because what I found is that my favorite is the one I've most recently listened to. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: um, so it, it changes a lot. Um, yeah, I just, there, is, there isn't a single moment of this album that I would change um, from the intro White Horses, which is one of my favorite things they've ever done, um, when it like, Oh, it starts off so noisy and powerful, and then it breaks into that like really repetitive noise. You know that like sort of leads you into the rest of the album. I, I think it's such a it's an incredible like statement of intent for yeah. like what they intend to do with this album. Like um, I, I I mentioned at the time comparing it to uh, when we talked about this the first time around, I compared it to uh, Leaves Turn Inside You and the opener on that album, um, which again is like. It like opens with like just like noise. Um, you know they're not interested in uh, leading you in with a melody or like enticing you in gently. And they're like this is what we've made, and uh, you know if you're not into it, then that's fine. You can you can listen to something else. Um, it feels so. Uh, they I don't know. They they sound so confident on this on this album, um, and uh, it pays off in the best possible way. Every every song on here is just just perfect. Um, i I'm actually uh seeing <laughs> I, uh, I i was uh fucking plans for my my stag party uh in April and uh I basically told my brother who is my best man I was like you have to do it on this weekend so that we can see low so uh, <laughs> I've taken an entire stag party to see lo in April in bristol which is gonna be a lot of fun so uh because <laughs> <laughs> um, i just couldn't i couldn't you yeah, know it's stick list to my wedding and I couldn't afford to miss this band. so uh so that's that's what we're doing.
1: It's going to be yeah. Great. No, I, I think um Yeah, I, I think it's really I mean, I mentioned at the time I thought it was really interesting. You mentioned about the comparison to Leaves Turn Inside You. And I think now that I've had the time, I definitely really understand where you're coming from from that. I think they feel like very spiritually similar records in terms of mm. uh sort of the attitude. And also what you mentioned about the confidence of this album and uh, I read an interview with BJ Burton and he, he sort of mentioned about um, about how on one, uh, Ones and Sixes they were kind of getting to know each other and how uh, by this record he was saying he just kind of was letting them do whatever they want and just had mm, their, yeah, his yeah. full trust in whatever they wanted to do and he would just go with it and I think that that really shows on this album. I think uh, the... I mean, consistently, this this record feels like you're drowning in it. Uh, the sort of yeah, it has a real heft and a weight to it um, that is almost unparalleled. I think the the way in which the songs are written, with um, the 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 songs themselves seem to be written very much with the Sonics in mind, and. Uh, also very much centered around almost like i guess um him like mantras that are repeated and sort of built into in a way that is just incredible uh all of the tracks flow into each other so well uh this is just yeah i it it feels weird again to say that this is pretty much a perfect record but also i'm putting it at number four but i think that says less about this album and more about the ones we're going to be talking about uh after this but yeah i think this is uh, a huge huge achievement and yeah i think i mean this is this is an album that's got i guess a ton of attention and for yeah for for uh yeah for pretty much every reason i think uh there is so little about this record that could be improved feasibly uh yeah um low yeah low are just a fantastic band and i think they're as as we, yeah as i mentioned i think their sort of working relationship with bj button and how they've grown to work together has allowed them to take their sound and their uh, writing to an absolute next level in in a way that I I think of uh, a, a few years ago I wouldn't have been able to anticipate. So yeah, uh, wow! I, I thought this one was just absolutely crazy. <laughs> um, it's,
0: uh, it's, it's 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 so as one one last point, it's kind yeah, of crazy sh- to me that um that these guys have been going so long and are just yes. like like I I've I've been listening to a lot of their older albums um, since since getting really into Double Negative and Hey What. And um, uh, yeah, they, they've been releasing like ridiculously high quality stuff for, I mean, well, I'm 27. Uh, I Could Live in Hope is uh, three months older than me. And uh, like <laughs> almost everything they've released, they, they, they you know they release like a project every one to two years and they're always good. Uh, and they've been doing it for 27 years. So yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. That's crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely I can't think of how many bands output
0: that are like that consistent or that i would enjoy almost everything they've listened to like or is the one that stands out to me as a band yeah. that's been going since the 90s and i love everything they put out. there's really not many
1: yeah for sure um i think yeah so moving on to i guess the the top three now and again mm. this is another record that features on both of our lists in the same position uh so i guess i'll join number three between both of us is Death dynamic shrouds faith and persona mm-hmm. and i mean with the amount of we've talked about Death dynamic shroud and the mixtape club and i mean specifically keith rankin as well uh, mm-hmm. whether it be um his record mirror guides uh, under his giant Claw alias which i think uh would have maybe have ma- made my top 10 but i didn't want to include two uh keith rankin records sort of uh within that top 10 so yeah uh absolutely incredible album but i think this was if i was going to include one it, i felt it had to be this one and yeah we we, we talked so much about death dynamic shrouds uh and the mixtape club this year and yeah i i think this is the, a really really incredible achievement from i guess uh a band uh band collective that have been again, have been putting out... I mean, obviously, they haven't been going for that long, but the sheer number of albums that they have put out in the time that they've been around, I, so about seven years in in this in that time, the, the number of absolutely incredible releases they've come out with is astonishing. And I think this is one of the best things they've ever done. Uh, yeah. Um, I think uh, I'm... I mean, in terms of uh, the podcast i'm definitely the sort of bigger death and rich child fan i think i you maybe more got into them more this year so i i want to hear sort of your perspective on on this record and maybe the i guess discography in terms of yeah
0: <laughs> yeah no no that's i i think that's a completely fair first statement to make um i before this year i had i, I was a, i i've been a big fan of i'll try living like this for a while um yeah and i very, very specifically remember the first time i listened to uh derelict mechtel all the way through yeah just like sitting there for four hours having my mind blown um and, and obviously heavy, heavy heavy black heart is another one that sticks out it's like one I yes heard, but those are also the three biggest releases um so i wasn't was yeah. I hadn't really heard anything other than that, and that's like twenty releases I've missed out on. So, um, oh, Life from Japan is the other big one that I was a big fan of. Um, oh yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. This is a, a, a band I sort of really started to explore this year with the Tech Club. Um, uh, we've we've talked we've talked so much this year about um, you know how uh, the the commercial landscape is changing and how music is adapting to that. Um, so we don't need to go into, into huge amounts of detail there, but um, uh, yeah, we I, I absolutely love these guys. I love what they're doing, um, and I had a I had a quote from a, a review quote I was going to read out, which just made me laugh. Which was written uh, by D E underscore Arcade. He wrote. Um, keith this was just for a silly seven dollar a month subscription thingy there was no need to go this fucking car <laughs> um, <laughs> which basically sums up sums up my my thoughts on this album um and this uh, yeah yeah it's absurd how how uh how crazy this thing is how hard um the concept has been pushed how much effort just how much effort has been put into yeah. like assembling this absolute beast of an album um to, to the point, and and you know, I think it, it is receiving. This is an album that really is receiving the recognition it deserves. In the, you know, I you know, I, I would describe it as the, I would call it the underground music scene, but like internet, like the internet music yeah. scene is what I really mean. Um, yeah. Especially with uh, you know, I I think like getting a, an album an album as potentially obscure as this getting such rave reviews from people like the Needle Drop. Um, is the sign that you've, you know, you sort of broken out of that niche. And I, I think this is, it's kind of crazy to me that when you look at the popularity or like when you when you look at the numbers that this album is doing compared to the rest of the tape club producers, um you know, this is getting like 10 to 20 times the number of, of I don't know, views or listens or people talking about it. It's the the effect that this one has had uh, has, has been massive. Um and so, you know, I guess, I guess the thing I would say is like, like they're all really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're, yeah. They're, they're, they're all really good. Like don't, don't just listen to this one. I mean, yeah. this, this is, this is the best one in my opinion, but um yeah, they're, they're all great. Go listen to all of them. Uh, yeah. Although I will say um, shout out to Keith for actually putting this on Spotify so that people can listen to it. Because you know, with the attention it was getting, it definitely made sense to, to make this one more, more publicly available. So yeah. Um, Thanks, because it makes, it makes it a lot easier for me to link it to people. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, I guess it'll, it'll be gone eventually, probably. But, um, yeah, yeah for, now, for now, it is on Spotify and SoundCloud. So, uh, good, time, good time to go check it out.
1: Yeah, and I mean, sort of, I feel like we haven't even sort of talked about the record and what, what it even is. But I guess, yeah, the Death Dynamic Shrouds make, I mean, all of the members have, uh, so, sort of slightly different but equally i guess interesting and left field approaches to making uh vapor and ambient music and this this one is the first sort of solo uh death dynamic shroud record from keith rankin uh and he goes and makes a death dynamic shroud post pop odyssey i think uh Pretty much every track on here is, uh, except for I guess the the sort of minute of silence on the eighth track, <laughs> is so memorable. Has so many insanely, I guess, hooky and just infectious parts to it. Uh, tracks like um, like see me, uh, the title, uh, the yeah, the title track, uh, Parchin, and then. You sort of, it sort of unfolds into something more emotionally potent and really, I guess, um, just sincere uh, with tracks like Just to Be Needed and uh, R.A.P. in a way that I just, I think is just so consistently brilliant. I think, um, yeah, I think this is, uh, I mean, as someone who has listened to every death dynamic show release, like multiple times, I think this is probably my second favorite behind only heavy black heart, uh, which is really, really high praise considering how much I love so many of the other albums. I'm putting this over. Uh, but yeah, I think, um, I think it's also one of the, the, I guess more accessible releases in the discography because it's despite the use of repeated um, vocal samples and chops and stuff like that, uh, things are structured and put together in a really pop-centric way that allows this record to have a kind of wider appeal. And it, it's not surprising to me that this is maybe the one out of all of those fantastic mixtape called releases that has struck a chord with the most people because I think it I think it um has uh you can get the most out of it almost taken away from I guess the conception of what Death's dynamic shroud is as a project and what that entails uh in terms of what you're gonna get in terms of sample choice and sonic aesthetic and I guess emotion. Uh, related to those records i think it works uh so far out of that zone that is um yeah i I can definitely really understand why this is getting so much wide appeal but as you mentioned i think i I almost want to bring up uh specifically uh in the age of poison and monuments of the architects which are two other Mm, mixtape club releases um the former by Tech Honors and the latter by James Webster. Uh, I think those were my other two favorites from from the City club from this year, and I think they are also some of my favorite albums of the year. But I only really wanted to sort of put one Trail record on here, and it kind of had to be this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it would be pretty crazy to put anything else um, over this, but yeah, I, I completely agree with uh, Monument Monuments to the Architect, especially uh, was one was one of my favorites of the year. That was like I think that was in my top top twenty five or top thirty or something. Um so that was really higher than my year list. Uh but again, sort of blown blown out of the water by this in terms of like critical reception. I mean
1: Yeah. 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 And um, I I mean
0: this, this is why we said don't sleep on those other albums yeah they, they really are like all good.
1: Yeah, no, um but I think it I think it really says something about uh, the the sheer quality of a record if it's able to sort of break out of the ecosystem of a sort of paid subscriber only mixtape club into becoming a release that has got really wide critical acclaim and as you mentioned great reviews from from tons of really high profile reviewers and to have that come yeah from a record that I know it sounds silly but an album that in sort of this day and age you couldn't have gotten unless you paid for it Mm -hmm. uh and not even pay for it directly almost in an indirect fashion in terms of subscribing to the mixtape club because you couldn't even buy it sort of individually outside of that uh for it to sort of escape that ecosystem and uh go on to become something that i think a a lot of people have really resonated with yeah it says so much about how good this record is
0: yeah i completely agree um i will uh i'd like to close this section by uh by saying that this is the only album I've ever listened to that made me Google the words best tape deck twenty twenty one. because uh I don't have a way to play cassette, cassette tapes, but maybe maybe I'm missing out,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I, I think yeah, maybe maybe you should. I mean I've got I've got a tape set up, I've got all of the uh mixtape card tapes, uh, and yeah, they've they've all been a, a you know on and off all year uh yeah i highly recommend check out destiny i'm sure, mixtape club and yeah specifically this record uh because it's so so good um yeah so i think uh now moving on to number twos so mm. i believe my number two is your number one so i'm gonna let you talk about your number two record of the year
0: yeah so so my my number two record would be i think is your number 10 yeah so here. this this was
1: okay. this is my number 10 i i think the the bottom sort of a few in my top 10 are very interchangeable as i guess the top uh the sort of top four but uh mm-hmm. yeah no this is this would have been in my top 10 but I've skipped it to let you sort of talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, let, uh, no. let me
0: bump that up the rankings. So um, <laughs> my number two, my number two record of the year, barely, barely number two record of the year, um, is uh, "Volcanic Bird Enemy" and the voice concern by Lil Ugly Maine. Um Lil Ugly Main, aka uh, Travis Miller, um, who has been the voice behind, uh, the voice and production behind some of the most important experimental hip hop. Uh, albums of the 2010s um, has uh, come up with something completely different. Um, This is a neo-psychedelia project, um, which unlike a lot of neo-psychedelia really leans into the the hip hop influences um, I found on this. Uh, To me, this record was so important because um, I think Travis does the best job that he's ever done of, um, being personal and being, uh, sort of emotional in a, in a really interesting and creative way with, with the listener. Um, some of his stuff can be pretty impenetrable. Uh, I, I would say, um, from the, the sort of harsh noise blasts, uh, interchanged with, with his hip hop projects to, um, you know, cryptic vocals and, and, difficult difficult subject matter um this is an album that is just like i don't know it just feels really like like he's just he's able to open up and really get a lot off his chest uh i don't know this it's it's just such a i i guess i i think what put this at number two and not number one for me was maybe that i think my number one pick is probably a more important musical event that's it's th- th- to come out um but yeah for me this was this is almost certainly the the album i listened to the most this this year this uh this album did so much for me um i i really really loved it like all, all the way through i don't know how, how did you find this
1: yeah so i mean uh i think like you i really really enjoy uh a lot of lol Arguments' projects i haven't super gotten into sort of his uh many aliases i guess prior to this mm-hmm. um which i mean uh, some of the tracks of this i believe were released under the bedwetter name if i remember correctly yeah 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 um yeah and this in terms of like the mainline, line little ugly main record this was a huge sort of heel turn from the that sort of very experimental leaning southern hip-hop into yeah as you mentioned psychedelia and i think it's really important you mention. Uh, how much it leans into the hip-hop elements because um and especially sort of trip-hop because the constant like uh driving drum breaks uh, across this record really carry everything that it's doing uh throughout its entire its entire runtime and i think i mean there's so much about this record to admire about from how the sort of I guess slightly cartoony and uh, I guess slightly soft aesthetic to it uh, and uh, the really fantastic production but I think the main thing that sells this is just, just how good the songwriting is everything it, pretty much every track on here is just so catchy I think he really sells the vocal performances uh, in sort of delivering that kind of um he 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 comes through in really sort of uh exuding that kind of apathy that i think is really hard to do well on a record because without like either just like making trash or sounding like you're trying too hard uh and i think it, it it really um sort of yeah represents those kind of feelings and emotions in a way that a lot of albums fail to do uh yeah I, I i really really love this i think uh i think like a lot of a lot of the records in my top 10 uh and a lot of the ones you picked as well go uh listening back to them uh in preparation for this i was like oh my god i forgot just how good this album is uh and again it feels a bit ridiculous for me to have put this at 10 because i think yeah uh but i I think that's more again a more um more of an indication of how good the other records are in my opinion rather than uh maybe this one not being quite right at the top but i think yeah this is this is a really really fantastic record and one that I was maybe not expecting to be this good uh because I mean obviously uh yeah it's quite different from what I would expect from a, a Travis Miller project under the little ugly Main alias and also I mean it's it's an hour long 19 tracks you would probably feel like from this sort of twee trip hop neo psych kind of vibe uh, an hour-long record with almost 20 tracks on it would have some filler but it really doesn't almost every song on here feels essential uh i i think i really had a, a moment um that fantastic rec- uh, moment where you have when you're re-listening to an album you haven't heard in a while uh, and going uh, going like oh i love this song and then the next one comes on you're like oh i love this <laughs> song <laughs> all the way through and it's like wow th- this really is just a fantastically consistent record for how much content is on this thing and how easy it would have been to make this aesthetic and uh songwriting and production style to grate on the listener for such a long sort of i mean it's not a really long record but you know like in terms of number of tracks it, it's pretty pretty hefty so i think it would have been quite easy for a record like this to have been Maybe difficult to get through, but I think it's so not that. I think the cons- the quality is so so high here. Um, yeah, I, I I almost couldn't really believe how good this record was to be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was I was very similar. Um, when I heard the uh, I, I listened to the singles before this came out, and I, I was obviously very surprised. I, I think I was just so taken aback at the the style change from uh, Oblivion Access.
1: Yeah, um, and, yeah, exactly. and,
0: and, and, and the bedwetter stuff as well. That I was like. I didn't really know what to expect, but even the singles to me sound just so much better as part of the whole the whole album project. Um, you know, I, almost everything that I didn't like initially about this, uh, and there wasn't very much, but like all of those things have grown on me. Like the intro, "Bird Enemy Car," I thought was all right, and it's, it's grown on me a huge amount. I absolutely love the intro. Um, yeah, it's just like it's, again, again, it's like a very confident. Um, opener to like let you know what you're getting yourself in for here. Um, uh, a couple of the songs that I wasn't so so hot on, like uh, like Clapping Seal in particular, I think it's like that that one's grown on me a huge amount. I absolutely love the uh, the beats underlying on that one. Um, and yeah, you know, I I think I, I also think this album has like one of the best longest mid run of songs, like like run of songs in the middle of it that I've ever heard um, yeah. from cold in here and styrofoam hostage master has like this amazing amazing beat, beat backing it Like you can, yeah. the, the production on this thing is just insane um leading into beach harness and then like massive highlights on discard and headboard Yeah, uh, into a live clapping seal vpn it's like vpn is such an amazing song i can't yeah. believe you know i i, I referenced uh, I, I i talked about his song um looking for the suck um before but like <laughs> like how uh, it It just blows my mind that he wrote that and then Mike could also write like you know called in here yeah I add, mean yeah it, it's really
1: it's really yeah, that's a really great point because a lot of these songs feel very genuine and very heartfelt um in yeah, in the way that they're written and for how like I guess irony clad the whole little ugly main persona is that feels so refreshing uh. Because, as I said, this record could have quite easily been uh, nowhere near as good as this. I think that that's definitely part of it. Is because I think if this record was maybe trying to do something a bit more tongue in cheek, maybe trying to do something a bit, you know, more ironic, it really wouldn't have gone anywhere near as well. I think the fact that he's so willing to, I guess, fin- finally make something very uh, sort of honest and personal. Uh, mm. just really works with the the aesthetic and combines in a way that i think is just yeah uh, just so so good
0: <laughs> yeah 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 no I'm, I'm very 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 happy with this project um but i guess that that sort of leads us into our, our number one picks um so i think we'll probably start with your number yeah. one picks. seeing as you know your mine my, 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 mine is your number two so um uh, i'll let you take it away
1: yeah so i think um when some the my album of the year is a record that the, when i heard it uh before it had even finished i kind of already decided it was going to be my album of the year. i was like there's no way there's going to be anything even near as good as this uh and i was shocked because it was really close in the end uh mm-hmm. the the sort of number so the low record uh, the death of my record and the record we're going to mention next all came really close but i think for me personally this felt like the right pick for my album of the year and that is uh, little snakes a fragmented love story written by the infinite helix architect so uh little snake is um an electronic music producer on Brainfeeder records which is um Flying Lotus label, and uh, there's a there's a couple appearances from him on this record. But uh yeah, Lotus Snake was an artist who I was vaguely familiar with, but wasn't like particularly like a fan of or really into uh coming into this. Um and I think I was almost more drawn in by the album art, if nothing else. I think the album art is fantastic, mm-hmm. but uh I think it would be difficult to con to construct a record that is like more my thing if you tried Uh, this thing is absolutely crazy it's a just bonkers mixture of just all flavors of bass music halftime neuro uh with just completely ridiculous time signature stuff um really complex and intricately textured sound design um uh, bizarre arrangements uh it's just kind of a complete head fuck but also incredibly heavy and immediate in a way that i don't know almost put me in like uh like I almost want to describe it as like a rage trance (laughs) um uh yeah I this was uh this was something that I just yeah this was uh a record that really just made my jaw drop the first time I heard it and has not stopped doing that every time I've listened to it I think this was just such a creative and intricately constructed projects that yeah it's hard to even break down like i i don't even know how this thing was made it's absolutely ridiculous
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh, i mean huge shout out to flying lotus for uh i don't know for, for finding this guy for signing him um this is an album that came out absolutely nowhere i had never heard of this 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 artist before um God, I can't, you know. We talked about this on episode two, um, so that is like seven and a half months ago, uh, which that, that feels insane to me. Um, yeah, <laughs> it still feels like we're barely starting this this podcast. So. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. This this was like this was not what I was expecting to be talking about. Um, you know, when I when, when we had the, the sort of the very first ideas for for the show and talking about music, um, and I'm so glad that you were able to find this, uh, for that episode because I think this to me set like set such an insane bar for the year in terms of like the sorts of music that, that we would be aiming to look at or the, the, the sort of the types of music that we would, we would be really interested in talking about. Um, yeah, this album is, is completely completely insane um i didn't have it on my my top 10 but, I, but again it was like very very close to the top 10 so it's an album i really loved uh loved from this year i loved how um i loved how difficult it was uh i, I was thinking this back when we, when you were talking about plebeian bandstand um at the start of this episode uh so i put plebeian grandstand. So. um thinking oh yeah that's that's a difficult album but you know wait wait until we reach number one because uh um to to, to me this was this was probably the most um maybe not the the most difficult album i heard but like the most successful difficult album
1: in in terms of i guess how difficult it was and how rewarding it was to get Mm. through that i guess
0: yes uh, yeah yeah completely um yeah, this uh, it's, it's, it's an album that is just difficult to put into words um, because it is doing so much. Uh, it's a really dense album and difficult to unpack, but there is so much, so much going on, uh, and so much talent on show in the production and the, the sort of assembly of this, this piece of work. Um, the features on this thing are, are great. Uh, the, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just an all-round... All-round fantastic project. Um, I Highly recommend if you're interested in IDM or Deconstructed Club or Flashcore or any of these like sort of more difficult electronic genres. Uh, this is an absolute must-listen. And again, an album that appears to have gone under a lot of people's radars because uh, um, you know it's not an album I've seen that many people talking about on end of the lists, which I find really surprising personally
1: yeah same here i I mean i definitely get that this is probably going to be a record you either really really love or you just don't get uh which is fine but yeah no i i i really agree with what you said about this this record being almost like setting a bar for what we were trying to do on uh with this podcast and what we what we were trying to highlight i guess because i feel like this is an album that tick so many boxes of what i want to talk about in terms of albums that maybe uh, haven't got quite as much recognition as i feel they should have done uh albums that are just creative and sound like nothing else i've ever heard and also maybe coming from taking a lot of roots in genres that maybe don't get as much sort of wide critical attention and shine as others i think uh with this coming from uh this taking uh an approach to uh heavy electronic music uh sort of coming from the side of like bassy edm uh, that's maybe yeah it's it's a it's a sphere of music that maybe doesn't get as much uh sort of recognition and shine as it deserves from like Mm. music press i guess uh because i think there's so and i mean i guess i'm kind of biased because this is like uh that's a type of music i've listened to so much of and have a like yeah have a really great appreciation for personally but Mm. i think there's so much out there that is fantastic and creative and just really it almost feels like some of it almost feels like a bit of a almost like a no-no to cover in like serious music journalism (laughs) um uh screw that no uh this record is absolutely amazing and yeah I, i think um although there were some other records that came close for me personally i think this was the right pick for my album of the year but um uh one album in particular i think really really ran it close and i think it was so difficult for me to pick between uh this album and another one which uh i believe is also your album of the year so if you would like to talk about that
0: yeah absolutely um so my album of the year is by the time i get to phoenix by injury reserve um injury reserve is a uh uh, formerly a trio and Tragically, now a duo, um, after the the passing of Stepper J. Groggs, uh, in 2020, um, from, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, um, so now comprising of Richie with a T and Parker Corey, uh, as MC and producer, respectively. Uh, and by, by the time he gets to Phoenix, is sort of the, the memorial album for uh, Stepper J. Grogs, um, and as such, these guys just go absolutely, uh, Bananas with, um, with with the entire album, uh, or every every bit of it is just teeming with experimentation and uh, passion and like there's there's just so so much going on. Here. It it's such a dense uh, and interesting album, um, and to me, sort of they're defining artistic achievement as a band, and um, you know, sort of therefore. One of the most important experimental uh, hip hop albums of all time. Um, I think I said at the time that this is like this is the next Cloud Dead for me, um, which is huge praise because I love Cloud Dead as an album. But to me, this feels on the same level as like the all-time um, experimental hip hop greats, and sort of really deserves to go down in the in the history books alongside those albums. Um, how did you, uh, you know, it's been a while since we first talk, talked about this. I assume you probably came back to this a few times this week. How How are you feeling coming back to this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I hugely agree. I think I said uh, on our sort of episode about this when it came out is that it felt like an instant classic, and I stand by that. Mm-hmm. I think this this is a record which, if it isn't already, probably will be viewed as a classic uh, within a very short space of time i think what they did as a group here is just completely mind-bending and off the wall but also so emotional i think the i think it's an incredible tribute to uh to grogs who was uh yeah just a really fantastic mc and uh it's yeah, I, I think um, anyone who was a fan of Injury Reserve uh, prior to that, uh, I, I feel at least I, I saw a lot of people who definitely felt very personally affected by his passing, just because it felt like they were a group that were just on the up at that time. They really had that trajectory going, following their sort of their, their debut record uh, off the back of a couple incredible mixtapes. Uh, just yeah it it felt like they the sky was the limit and to have and especially sort of in the wake of tracks off that debut record that really felt like a celebration of the fact that the, the the band sort of knew that they'd made it to have something like that happen so soon after that Uh, is just so incredibly tragic but i think this record captures it in a way that i don't think i can even put into words i think um the 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 themes of this record of obviously death and grief but the way that's sort of woven into and uh sort of uh used uh as sort of allegory in conjunction with themes of i guess like um like global warming and natural disasters and just general apocalypse related stuff this album in terms of the themes in terms of the cover art in terms of the production just feels like the end of the world uh, in a way that is just yeah it's it's Again, I feel like I've been saying this about almost every record on here, but it's it's so unique. It's uh, really so its own thing. There's n- I don't think there's any other record like this in a way in the way that it combines just really complex rhythmic uh, atmospheric hip hop, just bizarre and surreal sound design and sample choice and just uh very uh, very yeah consistently heavy themes especially Mm. tracks like um uh i mean we talked about a lot on the uh the episode specifically about it but the the track topics for you is just so incredible articulating grief from a perspective that i'd never even thought about it from before and i i almost can't stop thinking about that now when i think about people you, you love passing on it, it, it just is it's it's a track that's really stayed with me and i think so much of what this record does stays with you um yeah uh knees by storm uh even like yeah just superman that it's just there's just so many tracks on here that have stuck with me in a way that i have rarely experienced i think this this is an album that I, I think i say i i think i had this i had this as my number 2 of the year uh but i think uh as i mentioned on the episode about i think this is probably the most important album of the year i think um this is such a it's such an incredible artistic statement and one that it it feels terrible that almost it had to be made you know uh there's Mm -hmm. such a profound sadness and grief radiating off this record that uh, it it feels yeah it feels kind of difficult to listen to um in yeah, I, I, I don't really know what else to say about this. I think it's just a, a monumental artistic statement, um, and just a really affecting record in general.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I've seen people sort of start using the words, uh, use, using the term post-rap around this album, and. Um, I guess I don't know. It's, it's clearly too too soon to, uh, to, to 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 think of it in in those regards. But but that is, I I think that is the level we're talking here in terms of um sort of uniqueness. Uh, and,
1: for sure, um, yeah.
0: You know, if if there were a genre to be defined, I think this would probably be be the point where it's happened. Um,
1: yeah, but I I, I feel yeah. I feel like I feel like for for something to become a genre it would have to be replicated and i don't see this being replicated even by <laughs> yeah, them themselves because i I, th- I think it sounds weird but or even kind of silly but i don't think this is an album they could make again even if they wanted to you know
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i think it um that that is a really good point actually because you know this has sort of been made this has been made during the peak of their grief um as you know as 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 it were and um yeah i think that is a really interesting idea and 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 part of why part of why i love this album so much is that it more than any um more than any other album it feels both like completely constrained to an exact point in time while also being timeless Uh, yes it's like it's like the perfect snapshot of uh of you know what what the what the band and stepper j grog's loved ones would have been going through uh at, at that moment so um yeah just an incredible artistic achievement really I, I, it's kind of hard to say much more than that
1: <laughs> yeah no i think yeah uh this uh there are pretty much no other records i i feel are more sort of deserving of being i guess yeah uh sort of up there in terms of uh yeah album of the year picks. i think this one is just yeah so so incredible um yeah I, I and as i mentioned i think those the top four records uh i had in there and yeah i mean all of them but especially those ones for me i think are just all basically perfect i think uh i don't i can't remember the last time there was a year in which i had there was so many records that i had that sort of feeling towards so yeah i i can't recommend checking out all the records we've talked about uh uh, on this episode enough like they're all amazing um yeah i i don't really have any more thoughts other than that is there anything else you wanted to sort of bring up before we close it up
0: no i think that's probably a pretty good good place to wrap up um it's been a it's been an amazing year doing doing these i've really uh had a lot of fun um you know, doing the research for these episodes and talking about them. Um, yeah, we've watched, we've watched yeah. line go up on, uh, on, <laughs> on the podcast stats, which has, yeah. which has been, uh, which has been lovely. Um, apparently, uh, you know, a small handful of people have actually gone and listened to every single episode, um, according to the, that's crazy. Know, yeah. <laughs> your stats thing. Um, so I was very, very happy with that. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to grow a little bit more, uh, and, we had we had listeners from 20 different countries this year so that was like it's it's been more successful than i could have possibly imagined um so yeah really appreciate the people listening in i guess Um, no it's been a lot it's been a lot of fun
1: yeah shout out to everyone who's tuned in and i think yeah i've just had a really great time doing this i think it's been um yeah the doing this has been, uh, both through stuff that you've sent me to check out for this and also having to sort of feel feeling as if i'm having to be more plugged in into consistently what's coming out has really exposed me to a lot of great music i might not have otherwise heard so yeah i i've i've really enjoyed doing this and yeah um yeah, here's uh, to some great music next year, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll be back in probably two weeks to talk about all the crazy stuff that comes out on the first of January. Yeah, uh, it, it <laughs> t- tends to be a pretty good date for for releases. So yeah, other than that, uh, thanks for listening.
1: Yeah, cheers.